This is going to be um, a rather serious episode of of Hey Honey. I've been thinking, and in fact, there's going to be a, a trigger warning here at the at the start. Uh, we're going to be dealing with a very serious topic, one that uh, I hold very near and dear to me, and that's why you heard at the top of the episode there's no theme song because, well, this is uh, as I said before, it's very. It's a very serious topic. Of course, hi, I'm Travis. And I'm Heather. And um, the reason why we're doing this episode is, for one thing, it does deal with the subject of suicide. Now, for some of you out there, you probably will think this episode to be kind of a downer. And, well, it's not a very pleasant topic to discuss. In fact, um, if some of you who feel that you wish not to listen to this episode, that's perfectly fine, but we do invite you to at least listen because I really don't think there is a lot of people out there, a lot of programs, whether it be a podcast or just a simple radio show, would want to discuss something as serious. And everybody, whether they have a family member or a friend or even know of a celebrity that have uh, succumbed to this Everybody's been touched by it in some form or another. There is nobody that is oblivious to it. Right. So we do, we, we understand if you wish not to listen to this, but we do invite you to at least please uh, listen to us with an open mind. Um, if you or someone that you know who is going through something very serious, which are contemplating this, please realize that your voice can be heard. We do care. You're not alone. So, um, I just think that this is something I really want to discuss. And the reason why I'm discussing, we want to discuss this episode, um, this subject, is because on May 18th, 2011, my brother, Timothy Goss, um, he actually committed suicide. He um, went to his, uh, his garage and he put a gun to his head and he shot himself. It's a very, um, it's something I still deal with uh, today because um, obviously I'm still grieving. I'm coping better than I have, but that doesn't mean that the pain is gone. It's still there. The pain will never go. It'll always be how you can um, face it and how you can live with it and it's just or survive with it it's you're never the same again when something like that impacts you um you're forever changed and it does impact me more than if a person just simply passed away because this i mean when, when somebody dies yes it's it's sad and it's it's tragic but it to me i mean uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, anybody, please correct me if I'm wrong. When somebody that you love, whether it be family member, close friend, um, someone that you're you've had a, rela- a strong relationship with, when they take their own life, it feels it's a different type of a feeling. It's something that's more to me a little more tragic. Well, because. For some people, 
they blame themselves, thinking, why didn't I see the signs? Why didn't I say something? Why didn't I go out? And, you know, if I could have fixed something, maybe you end up blaming yourself. And that's that's not fair because in my view, suicide is a personal thing. It is an individual thing to that person who does it. They have their reasons, albeit nobody agrees to it. Nobody can understand. And I... The reason why I say that is because in the last three years, Mm -hmm. I've tried twice. More recently was last year I tried. And I failed because I'm still here. Um, but I have... But I'm glad she's still here. <laughs> I have health reasons. I have severe rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia, plus a lot of other health issues. And I've been without health care for three years. And when you're without health care and you're in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're just getting worse and worse and worse, um, it's overwhelming. Um, but... <laughs> Enough about me. We are going to be turning the reins over to Travis so he can discuss um, his views on it. Not by, you know, my views, but his views regarding his brother. That that was a very big part of our lives. Yeah. He was, um, he was someone that I obviously had looked up to um, throughout my life. Um I looked up. I looked up to him for guidance, um, wisdom. You know, just just what brothers usually would do is they just looked up to each other. And this guy was incredibly funny, insightful. He was just a very beautiful human being. And he got me into so many things, especially, uh, certain musics, movies, um, television shows. He, he actually was the one who got me into Monty Python programming <laughs> because of him. And I, you know, he just opened the door for so many things for me. Um, I guess in a way you could say that, um, in a sense, he was like a father figure to me. In a, in a way. How so? Well, I'm going to be frightfully honest. I wish my my actual dad, um, I kind of wish we had um, kind of like a better relationship. You know, it's. I'm not saying I have a bad relationship with my dad or my mom. You know, it's nothing like that. Yeah. It's just that for my brother, he was just someone that was... Um, he just knew everything to make me feel happy when I'm feeling sad or he would cheer me on when things were going great. How much older was he to you? Well, he was born in 70 and I was born in 79. So, nine years, so. Yeah, yeah just, um, was just a little over nine years older than me. He's a, so he was born in April of 70 and I was born in November of 79, so... Yeah, he uh, definitely was, 
Yeah, definitely what you call an older brother. But um, he was just... There's so many great things about him. Um, he was like... He did some pretty cool things like around Christmas time, you know? He knew the things I wanted to... Um, that I wanted for Christmas, and he would see to it that I got it. So it was... Um, it was in 1996. This is just after the Nintendo 64 was released. He knew I wanted this one Star Wars game. It was called Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Uh, yeah, and he also got me into Star Wars. So, bless him for that. I think he probably would have seen, like, the new trilogy. He probably would have had, uh... He, probably, he might have liked it, but I despise it. But that's a topic for another time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that Christmas... What was so cool is he was the type that would put a present inside of a present. You know, we all have people who've done that to us. <laughs> so that Christmas, he actually um, got me, he had it wrapped up. And well, obviously he had it wrapped up, duh. But after I, I took off the wrapping, it was a it was a box that was full of these um, comic book um, trading cards. Okay. So it was DC. Of course, I'm Marvel, but whatever. Close enough. <laughs> and I opened the box, and it looked like there were, um, uh, of course, they looked like they had the trading cards in there. I thought, okay, well, this might be pretty cool. Then I realized as soon as I started grabbing them that they were empty. <laughs> okay, interesting. So I went through the package. It's like, okay, these are all empty. Then inside was something else that was wrapped. And just by looking at the package, I immediately knew it had to be a game. Sure enough, as soon as I unwrapped it, there was Star Wars Shadows of the Empire from the Nintendo 64. I was so happy. I went downstairs to my bedroom, grabbed my system, brought it upstairs to the living room, hooked it up, and we were playing it for most of the day. It was good. It was pretty cool, but um, yeah, and I have some other great memories. But uh, we'd be probably talking more than thirty minutes about it. Yeah, but that was the kind of guy he was. He knew what you liked, and he would go out of his way to do that for you. Um, did. How close were you toward the the last few months of his life? Were you were you around? Were you in town? I was going. I was living in Oklahoma at the time because I got married to this other person, and Tim still lived here in Savannah, Illinois. I was living in Oklahoma, and so basically, we just talked on the phone. As our extent of our relationship at that time, I mean, I've I've been sometimes I made like home visits to, uh, to up here, and I've always made a point to come come see him. But well, do you think that if you lived in town, do you blame yourself that if you lived in town still, that you could have prevented him from doing anything like that? I thought about that, and. I honestly don't think it could have made much of a difference because um, he hid this. Uh, I'm not going to talk about what I think led to it, 
because that's it wouldn't it that's, would not be appropriate for this. That you know, speculation. It is all speculation. But I had no way of knowing. And I know some people would argue it's like, well, if you did know, would you try to stop it? And I'd be stupid. Yeah, anybody would say, of course. Of course I'd do anything I could to stop it. But here's how I figure it. You could stop it from happening at that time. But if the person has already made up their mind, then it's going to end up happening anyway. It's like as if we, someone thought that if you could go back in time and stop it from happening, you could at that moment. But if the person wanted to die, they would do it anyway. It's the same as if you bring them back to life. They would go back and try to kill themselves again. Exactly, because once that dark seed has already been planted, it's hard to rip out the roots. Right. And it just keeps growing back, and it's really difficult. Exactly. And I'm sure um, you're not um, innocent of those uh, dark-seeded thoughts. No, no, I'm not innocent in that. Um, it was a couple years after he took his life that I almost took mine. Um, I was going to a university down in Oklahoma. I was going to North e- um, was it? It was Northeastern State University. Yeah, it had to have been because it was on the eastern part of uh, Oklahoma, and it was. I just uh, was kicked out of uh, my wife and I's house down there, and I was forced to live in a dorm. Of course, I called my family, told them what happened, and this all happened in January, and the semester would not be over until May. And oddly enough, no, actually, no, it was beginning of February. It was beginning of February, almost Valentine's Day. And I was kicked out, forced to live in a in a, in a dorm. I had no friends. I had no family. As I've just mentioned, my family uh, was up in Illinois, so that's a good 600 miles away. For the first time in my life, I was all alone. And I got to the point one night. It was late in February. I was in the uh, computer uh, lab. And the, like the tallest building of the whole um, campus. And what happened one night, I just, it all just hit me. It hit me so damn hard. I just couldn't, I, I just didn't know what I could do. I almost took myself to the very top of that building. And I wanted to take a swan dive. And obviously I didn't because I'm still here. And I, before I even thought about doing that I was talking to my one cousin and she was asking how I was doing and I said I'm not doing good at all and I said I, I want to tell you something and she says what and I said I want to die and she was talking to me trying to get me out of that mood and I still wanted to jump off the building but something told me just to Get out of the computer lab. You've done your homework for the day. Go back to your dorm room. Go to bed. Just go to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and my mom was calling me on my phone. Apparently my cousin contacted my mom. Told her what I was going to do. And she was crying. 
She was begging me to not do anything that I was loved and things are going to be okay. Well, I'm still here. Um, I've really, looking back, that was obviously the lowest point in my life. And now looking at how things are now, I'm kind of glad I hung in there. And it's difficult. I mean, anybody out there thinks, well, that's just you. You simply, you know, you just, you just crawled out of it. For me, it's not that easy. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that, oh, if you just have a bad day, you know, just wait and it's going to get better. It's not that simple. It's not that simple at all. You have to, you have to reach out to people. You have to talk to somebody. If you think that nobody's going to listen, then find somebody else. It's hard to go with, uh, to deal with these feelings. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like I said, everybody treats it, you know, differently. And, um, you know, everybody has their reasons, whether it be emotional damage or, you know, physical damage or combination of the two that drives people to that point. It's not easy and it's it can be hard to talk to people because my first time that I tried a couple of years ago, I did reach out to a few of my friends. And they all turned their back on me. They showed their true colors. Not one of them did or said anything. Would not respond to me. And so when I have my so-called friends, yeah, they're still on my Facebook, but um, whenever they ask for something, I don't do it. Because in my most dire hour of need, they turned their back on me. I wasn't as fortunate to have, you know, have a lot of friends, you know, that would be all supportive and, you know, be a little, you know, cheerleader, help cheer me up or anything. No, I didn't have that. I only had you, Trav, and I honestly thought most of the time that you would be better off without me. If I wasn't around to be a, a hindrance or a burden. But you know, you knew then and you know now that I always have your back. Yeah, but there isn't a day that doesn't go by that I don't think of it. Every day. But, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, what do I do? What, what, you know, I guess I'm too much of a wimp to try all these other more, you know, other methods. It's just, if you're ever in as much pain as I am, you would understand. 
And that's what kind of tears my heart out is because, well, I, I know what you're going through. Um, figure, and I, was, I can't remember if it was discussed here recently, but uh, Heather suffers from um, fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. If you guys don't know what that means, that means her immune system is attacking her joints, meaning that she is in great deal of pain. And it tears my heart out because obviously I, I don't go through that. But when I see Heather in so much pain and she's in tears, I feel helpless because I want to help her, but I there's nothing I can physically do and it, it hurts me emotionally so when go ahead go ahead no 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 go ahead um should i mention um what you tried to do sure she had these um these uh pain tablets um what were they called again tramadol tramadol it's an opiate synthetic opiate yeah. You know, what What the big opiate thing going on, yeah. Yeah. So she had these pills. One night she felt at her lowest. She took about half a bottle of them and downed it with some wine. I panicked. When I found out what she did, I was in a panic. I just didn't know what to do. I was like... I was never put in this uh, situation before, as so I figured, well, what am I going to do here? I, I, I have no idea. So the only thing I could do really was just stand by Heather and make sure that, see if she will throw these up, which she eventually did. And she did this, um, I, that was uh, about three years ago. And then last year, she attempted it again. And obviously, she's still here. She threw them up. Now, because of uh, those um, attempts, anything that's got... Um, acetaminophen, Tylenol. Yeah, she can't take Tylenol because it has acetaminophen in them. I developed an allergy to them now. So now she can't really take anything like that. Thankfully, we have a leave, which is actually the best. If you guys hear any meowing, I apologize. One of our cats is just trying to claw his way in, and he won't shut up. So, um, but anyway, but you know, uh, this this subject is like I said, it's a hard one. Um, there's a lot of people that won't admit it to other people that. Yeah, they've had those thoughts. Yeah, they thought that thoughts. Um, they've gone down that road. And a lot of people keep it hidden, like, you know, Tim did. You know, a lot of people get, keep it hidden. And they won't mention it. They won't talk about it to other people. People that you might think are just the happiest people in the world. I mean, hell, Robin Williams. You know? Comedians, they have... You know, they are very good at hiding it because what their goal is to entertain everybody else, even though inside they're crying and screaming. And you see a lot of these comedians who, who do take their own lives. And Robin Williams, he was one of them. And more recently you had um, 
mm-hmm. Naomi Judd. Yeah. With the gunshot. Um, you have Kate Spade, you know, the designer, who was laughing and talking to her father just, what, 20 minutes before she did it. Um, Kurt Cobain's another good example. Kurt Cobain. Uh, you just, you never know. You never know. So it is hard to, to, to see if what's going on with some person when it comes to if they are um, contemplating it. it. I mean, I know that if you look into it online, I, I don't really say like Google it or go to WebMD. That's crap to me. But I'm just saying there are ways of um, finding out if a person may be suicidal um, there are certain um, characteristics they may develop. Um, I just invite you guys to look it up. I'm not going to go through it right now because um, I I don't have all the the figures and everything about about the subject. I'm just we're just basically telling you guys our personal experiences with it. Exactly, and I'm not going to lie. Well, I should say I don't know where I was going with that. Um, this is basically going to be a raw episode. I'm not doing any editing. It feels kind of phony just to make edits. So if someone says something and it doesn't make any sense, it's it's stupid. But um, I it's obvious when I say that I would give anything to have just five more minutes with my brother. I wouldn't ask him why he did it. One day I'll find out, you know, if there is something beyond this world, maybe we'll have that discussion then. But I would just give anything, just have five more minutes with my brother. <clears throat> and um, just uh, see, you know, just shoot the breeze with them. You know, just, just catch up. It's all I want. It's understandable. I just, <clears throat> I just, it is, it's still difficult after all these years, and it's always going to be difficult. So, but if you're listening to this, I'm glad you're still here. You probably don't think that you don't matter to somebody, but I promise you, you do. This isn't easy for anybody who's going through this. And I'm, but I'm glad if you're listening to this, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. You're not alone. You don't have to suffer alone. There are people you can reach out to. It could be friends. It could be family. If you're religious, go talk to a pastor. You know, I'm not religious myself, but I'd say go talk to somebody. And find somebody who will confide in you, who will confide in you, and they will just try to do everything they can to help you out. Um, and if you find somebody who doesn't want to talk about it, it's like, oh, whatever, you're just having a bad day, then you know what? They're no good for you. They're showing their true colors. But I'll go ahead and I'll give you guys a phone number to call. I mean, a few years ago, there was a song that uses phone number as the title of it. And 
Obviously, the phone number is 1-800-273-8255, and that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. There are people there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who will listen to you. If you can't find somebody that will talk to you, give that phone number a call. That's 800-273-8255. You matter to us. And I hope that in some ways this episode reaches out to you and I hope that I hope you find somebody to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Please visit www.basementprotocolproductions.com. This has been a Basement Protocol production.